Welcome to the Exchange Church. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are here this morning. You know, we believe that the Exchange is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And um, like I said, I'm so glad that y'all are here this morning. I'm going to start out telling on myself after all those wonderful words. <laughs> I'm going to start out um, with a story from high school. You know, when I was um, in high school, there was this guy that kept harassing me. Um, from I would walk from one portable to the next, and he was it was really bothering me. You know, you know, you know there's a lot of flirting and stuff that goes on in high school. It wasn't like that. It was really just um, aggressive, obnoxious, and um, harassing. Harassing is the, the correct word. And so at first, I just tried to laugh it off and just you know blow him off and and um, it got worse. And so then I got to where I was avoiding him. I was trying to like go a different way, but he always would find me. It was so, he was just so harassing. And he would do things like put his arms around and not let me move and not let me get to my, I mean, just, I don't know. It was just crazy. And um, so I thought, I'm just gonna have to report him. I'm gonna have to go and talk to the counselor or something because this guy won't leave me alone. And you know, like I said, at first I was laughing, but then I got to where I was like, stop leave me alone, you know, just stay away from me. And, and the more I even did that, the worse it got. And so I thought I'm going to have to go report him, but I, I didn't really want to make a scene. I didn't really want to make a big fuss. And so I thought, I'm just going to pray for him. And so I, I prayed, I said, God, can you just change him? Like change him. If you can't change him, can you move him away, move him somewhere else to another school or something? Just, you know, take him away, whatever. And so I had prayed that. And then later on that week, I noticed I didn't see him anymore. He was, he was missing. And I thought, where did this guy go? And then through some other students, I learned that he had gotten into a motorcycle accident and fractured his skull and was in the hospital. And right away I was like, did I do that? I was like, oh my God. And then I was like, God, did you do that? You know, and I remember just thinking, oh my goodness, like, oh, I need to be careful what I pray for. And, um, you know, to be honest, in the past, there has been times that I've prayed, God, change them or take them out, like, seriously. And I'm, I'm pretty sure some of you have done that a time or two, if, if you were to be honest. Like, I have prayed, God, like, change them. And if you're not going to, y'all know Kanye West? <laughs> he made me so mad one year. Like, I'm not kidding. I was so upset. I, I was like, God, if you don't change him, I seriously think you need to take him out. Like, you need to just take him out of this world. And, you know, there was a time that I thought God had really changed him. And, and, and maybe he has, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go into all that, but, but I'm still praying for Kanye. I, I do. I'm not praying for God to take him out anymore. Don't worry. And I haven't prayed that for you. I haven't. I promise. I have not prayed that for you yet. I, I haven't, ha haven't had need to, but you know, I, I was really fine not taking vengeance as long as I knew God was, you know, like the Lord says in the word, vengeance is mine. And, and I've honestly thought, you know, you don't mess with God's sons and daughters. 
Like you just don't, you don't mess with God's sons and daughters. And then I thought about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how God avenged them. You know, Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to bow down to the idol and they said, no, we can only bow down to the one true God. And um, they refused. So they were put into the fiery furnace and the guards that were guarding the fiery, that were manning the door, they actually fell dead. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not a hair on their head was singed. They were avenged. You know, sometimes God avenges us right away, and then at other times, not so much. You don't see that happen, right? And so today, as we talk about love in our series, Sucker for Love, I want to remind us that, yeah, love is patient, love is kind, but love also demands something of us, forgiveness. Love requires that you and I make the choice to forgive the people that hurt us. You know, forgiveness is not an easy process for any of us to go through. And it seems a whole lot easier when we are avenged or we see justice get served. That makes it so much sweeter, right? But love invites us right into the scene of the crime. Love invites forgiveness right into the scene of the crime. The Holy Spirit reminded me of the time when Jesus chose to forgive. And it wasn't when he rose from the dead. It wasn't when um, he was sitting on high on his throne, right? It was right during the moment of his darkest hour when he was in such excruciating pain, mentally and physically, that he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That just blows my mind. Like, I don't even think I could think clearly in that moment. You know, some of us um, in thinking about that might have this thought though. Yeah, but he's God. He's God. Of course he can do that, right? He's God. So today, I want us to look at someone that is fully human, like you and I. And we're going to look at that story today. This is going to be just a great example. I'm excited to share that with you. And so I want to open up with prayer, if y'all would just pray with me. Father, I just thank you, God. Thank you so much for being here today in this room. Thank you for what you've already done in us and through us. And God, I just pray that you would help our hearts to be open to receive from you. Lord, that um, any walls that are built up would just begin to crumble right now in Jesus' name. Father, I want you to highlight areas of healing in our heart, areas that maybe we don't even know or are aware that we have, we have need of healing in. I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to come, that you would reveal um, the why behind certain behaviors that we have that don't reflect your character, God, that you would begin to reveal the why. I ask you to fill the people in this room, Holy Spirit, fill them with all of you. Let us be so full of you, God, that when we enter a space, the environment has no option but to be changed by the power of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the person I want to introduce you to He's described in Acts 6-5. He's described as a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. This man, um, 
was during the time when there was a dispute in the church. There was this big dispute between the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebrew Jews. And it was over some widows that they felt were being underserved. And so the 12 that were overseeing this during the time really had their hands full because the church was growing rapidly. There was more and more followers of Jesus and they just couldn't keep up. And so they said, okay, let's pray and let's bring, you know, let's get seven men that can help us. And so, so the man that they um, chose would be responsible. These seven men would be responsible for the distribution of food to the widows. And so one verse describes this man as being full of grace and power. Like he was just um, very influential as one of the seven. And he was known for many signs and wonders among the people. So his influence just continued to increase. Um, even though he was there to help with the widows, his influence just increased and increased. And this person that I'm talking about is the faithful man of God named Stephen. And so a little bit more background um, to what was going on during that time. The leading teachers of the synagogue, um, they didn't know what to do with the Jewish followers of Christ. They, you know, it, remember, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And the, the followers of Jesus were increasing and increasing. And so these teachers of the synagogues didn't know what to do. And they were becoming more and more angry by this. And so they instigated men who would speak falsely about Stephen because Stephen was kind of in the limelight, you know, he was standing out. And so they began to stir up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they brought Stephen before the Sanhedrin, which is kind of like the Supreme Court, right? It was the Jewish council. And they set up false witnesses um, that actually said that he was blaspheming against uh, Moses and God. They said that he was speaking against the Holy place, the holy temple, and the law. And so they just kept stirring certain people up to um, say these false accus accusations against Stephen. And Stephen um, was brought before the Sanhedrin, like I said. And so they're accusing him. They're just shouting all this stuff out about him. And Stephen is, is standing there. And the whole council is very intently watching Stephen, like so intently their eyes are on him. And all of a sudden, they said his face began to show and just glow like that of an angel. So I have a question for you. When people mistreat you, do you shine like an angel? Do you begin to glow? You know, Kim, I wasn't going to share this story, but Kim had mentioned when she was um, giving me a word that there was this when I thought about this, glowing like an angel, I was reminded of what happened when I was um, in the park about a month ago. Um, we were hiking, and this man got really angry because my dogs were not on a leash. Well, I was in the off-leash part of the park. And so I, he was on a bike, and he pulled up like right in front of me and was just blasting me with all kinds of profanities. Like it was, it was really awful. And it, to be honest, it just kind of shocked me. And Trey and Tristan were like 25 feet away from me. Yeah. Oh, further than that? They were pretty far. Like I looked to see them, but they couldn't hear what was going on. 
And Tristan was like, I just thought you were talking to some man, mom, like you always talk to people. And anyway, he's cussing me out and I'm explaining to him that this is an off-leash part of the park. I mean, everybody's dogs are there off-leash in this area and it's so fun and I love it. I go there all the time. We were having such a great time. And so anyway, when I told him that, he just got more angry. And then about that time, Trey and Tristan are getting closer. He spits on my face. Yeah. And he... Trey sees what's going on finally and he's like hey and the and the guy gets his bike like this you know and I started thinking maybe he didn't hear Trey maybe my face shone like an angel you know wouldn't that be so amazing I'm like wouldn't it be so awesome is the next time someone mistreats you you just go holy spirit light me up light me up right now like I think that would be so awesome guys I want that to happen wouldn't that be so amazing? I, I kind of feel like Stephen didn't know, though. I feel like Stephen didn't know he was lit. I, I don't think he did. Yeah, I don't think he knew. But anyway, so I mean, maybe that happened. Maybe they didn't really hear Trey. Maybe I just started shining, and he was like, get me out of here. You know, I just think that's so amazing. Anyway, I was not going to share that story. But um, <laughs> I prayed for him, just so you know. I prayed for him and I'm still praying for him. And you know, I, when thinking about that story, I like, I wonder if I'm the only one that ever prays for him, you know, cause he's just not a very nice person, you know? Um, so anyway, let me get back to where I was because I've lost my place. Do you get a heavenly glow when people mistreat you? You know, then the high priest comes over and he begins to ask him, are these things true? You know, are they accurate? What they're saying about you? Um, what do you have to say? And so with passion and fire, Stephen refutes their arguments. But he didn't stop there. He began to preach. And if you look in Acts 7, that whole chapter is his message. And I have to tell you guys, like, you know the Holy Spirit was all over him because when he preached, he pre it was long. Like, he started talking about Moses and the story of Joseph. And he points out that heaven is God's throne, that um, not any house that man builds is God's throne. Heaven is God's throne. He boldly declares at the end of his message and sermon that they are a stiff-necked people, that they have consistently over, over the years and over time resisted the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to mention that they were the ones that betrayed and murdered Jesus, the righteous one, and received the law but didn't keep it. And so he's saying all these things in that moment where he's being accused and he's on trial. And, um, and that brings us to our text in Acts 7. So if you'll join me in Acts 7, 54 through 60. This is where Stephen leaves off. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. 
And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Did you see it? Stephen's last sentence just before his last breath was, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Stephen forgave the crowd stoning him while they were still holding the stones. Can you imagine? Like they still have the stones. They're tossing them at him. They're throwing them at him. And he's saying, Father, forgive them. That's incredible. Love invites forgiveness to the scene of the crime. We can forgive right in the middle of our pain. Jesus did, Stephen did, and so can we. So from the story of Stephen, a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit, we can find three ways to let the power of forgiveness work in our life. So the first one is to speak in the Spirit. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 6, it says that those who rose up against him couldn't stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. You know, in Matthew 10, 19 through 20, when Jesus was sending out the disciples, he told them, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it, because at that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the spirit will speak through us. Every day, guys, every day we have an opportunity to be offended, wounded, or angry, especially right now in these seasons, right? Like it's just everywhere. There's no shortage of persecution, but Jesus says, we don't need to worry about what we will say. I love this. I love that the Holy Ghost can exert so much power over the human mind that when it is his will, he can enable us to collect our scattered thoughts, concentrate all of our mind to one topic, and speak clearly with authority. I want that. I so want that. People full of the Spirit aren't moved by what's around them. They're stable because of who is inside them. I, I want to be one of those people that can speak peace to any storm, wisdom to, to uncertainty. Just, ugh, I just, don't you just want God to use you regularly in that way? Like, I don't want to be caught off guard anymore. I don't want to be shocked. I don't want to be just, ugh, I want to just Holy Spirit speak, you know? So amazing. I love those moments when that happens. When Jesus, this is awesome too. I don't know if y'all caught this, but when Stephen saw Jesus, he saw him standing, not sitting. You know how scripture says he was sitting at the right hand of God? When Stephen saw Jesus, he was standing at the right hand of God. God takes it personal when people come against you. Jesus was standing with Stephen. He was looking and waiting, fully aware of what Stephen was enduring. He empathized with Stephen. He empathizes with us. In our moments of betrayal, in our greatest darkness, in our deepest pain, he brings comfort to us. When Stephen looked up and saw Jesus standing there, it brought great comfort to him. And the stones didn't stop. But the comfort that he felt was from within. So I hope today that you can see that Jesus is standing with you. The power of forgiveness is at work when we speak in the spirit. 
and when we see in the Spirit, and when we walk in the Spirit. You know what? I missed my point. Sorry, guys. Point two, when we see in the Spirit. I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I got on the wrong page. Um, so we have to see in the Spirit, okay? In verse 55 and 56, it says, Stephen, full of the Spirit, looked up and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's what I wanted you to see. He saw him standing. But what I also want you to see is that it infuriated the Jews. This infuriated them so much because it meant that they would have been, they would have to claim responsibility for the death of their Messiah, of the Messiah that they didn't believe was the Messiah, right? So, and it infuriated them all the more because this was not the first time they heard this. They heard this before when Jesus stood before the Sanhedrin and the high priest and was asked if he was the Christ. And he said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of God coming on the clouds of heaven in Mark 14, 62. So this was not the first time they heard this. And Stephen was bearing witness to it. And that's what infuriated them, right? Because in his last moments, in his last moments, he wasn't saying, Father, forgive me for this and this and repenting like most people do in that moment. He was, he was saying, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And I see him standing. You know, he could have chosen to focus on what he was facing, the persecution, the accusations, the trial. But it was when he chose to see in the spirit that he was able to bear witness to Christ. Okay, so our first point is to speak in the Spirit. Our second point is to see in the Spirit. Can you see what's beyond what's visible in the natural? I love this, this right here because what we see in the natural can be so deceiving. You know, this, this past week, God... Um, there was something that happened last year, and I had a perspective on that, kind of a perspective that was bothering me. And God said, I want you to go back to that place. I want you to go back to that specific place because there's some healing for you there. And I remember just being like, hmm, I don't know that I really want to go back to that place. And, and he was like, go back to that place. There's some healing for you there. And so I went back to that place. And while I was in that place, I had um, opportunity to just really let the Holy Spirit just move in my heart and my life. And I was really just wrapped up in the moment with the Holy Spirit. And he began to give me a new perspective on that place. And I was just so blown away because just a few minutes, just a few minutes in the presence of the Holy Spirit can change everything. And he brought such healing in that moment, all because of this place, all because I obeyed and went back to the place. And I'm so grateful today. I'm so grateful for that, for that moment with him. It's so amazing to be able to see what's beyond the natural is what we can do. You know, there are many, many indicators of unforgiveness that sometimes we don't recognize, we don't realize are going on in our life especially as believers, we tend to think we are the most forgiving people, don't we? We think we are just, we got that. Jesus forgave me. I forgive. But, you know, sometimes we choose to forgive, 
but yet there's still that wound there. There's still that pain, that hurt that the Holy Spirit wants to bring healing to. He wants to work on. And so um, I want to just talk about some of those indicators so that we can recognize them. You know, maybe you have a painful memory that um, this, this also happened to me this past year where this painful memory just kept popping up into my head over and over and over, over and over and over. And I thought, I've already forgiven this thing. I've already, I've already taken care of that. But this painful memory just kept popping, pop, pop over and over in my head, just different times. And I would dismiss it. I would just ignore it. I just want to encourage you. Don't ignore those things. Don't ignore those things. That's Holy Spirit trying to shed some light and say, look, there's some healing that needs to happen here. This is a place, an area where I want to be. And, you know, we, we, we tend to avoid those things, right? Because they're painful and they don't make us feel good. But um, another thing is um, a trigger. You know, there are triggers, things that happen that um, bring us back to a feeling that's not so good or whatever. I'm going to give you a story to kind of explain it. But I, um, when we first moved into this building several years ago, seven or eight years ago, I um, was so cold on Sunday mornings that I became very angry, like very angry. I, I'm, I can't even explain how angry I was. I, well, I'm going to explain. I, um, I was so angry that the thought, it, it just began to escalate from Sunday to Sunday. And the thought came to me before service when I was so cold one Sunday that I was just going to get in my car and go home because I should not be that uncomfortable in the house of God. And, and I, I was like so, so angry that I pictured myself getting in the car and, and driving home. And like, I was just, I, I can't, I just so angry guys. And, um, so I began to think, wow, this is a little ridiculous. Like, that I'm feeling that way, that I would just leave. I didn't, just so you know, I didn't. I have enough self-control that I just sat through the service mad. And so I was, I was driving home and exactly where I was. I was on 35, almost to 45, and I was talking to God about it because I was angry. I was like, church should not be that cold. That's just, you know, somebody needs to fix that. And, um, and God was like, you need to forgive your grandparents. He's like, you need to forgive your grandparents. And I started thinking about that. And um, he reminded me of when I was a senior in high school. And we had moved back north to Massachusetts, my family. My um, grandparents thought it would be a great idea for me and my two sisters to sleep in the basement where there was no heat in the middle of winter. And there was snow on the ground. It was God-awful cold. And we slept on a cot and put, like, blankets. We put a little hole so we could breathe through, through the blankets. And we had bl blankets piled up. And um, we, we tried to, the heaters, you know, the plug-in heaters. But my grandmother said that we would catch the house on fire. So that was a no-go. So we got, the heaters were taken away. So we asked if we could sleep on the living room floor. And she said no. She didn't want us cluttering up her living room. And so we slept in the basement for like two or three months like that. And my sisters were really young and they were really cold all the time and sick, like just sick. And I, I was really angry at that, in that season. 
And um, I had already forgiven my parents, but I hadn't really thought about forgiving my grandparents. And God was like, you need to forgive your grandparents. You getting cold at church is a trigger for what happened to you all those years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is crazy. So sometimes we don't even know where our triggers are coming from. And that's why we need to ask Holy Spirit because he will show you. When you have a behavior or a reaction that just seems over the top, it is. It is over the top. Ask Holy Spirit what it means. Ask him what's going on and he will show you. And so I forgave my grandparents and you know, I still get cold. I get, I'm cold right now. My hands are like ice and I'm even under these lights. I'm cold and sometimes I have a blanket and I even, my husband gave me a hand warmer for Christmas guys. And it is like the best gift I've ever been given. Like it's an electric hand warmer. I carry it with me places all the time. But anyway, um, that's what a trigger looks like. And so we have to see beyond the trigger, see in the spirit. There's always more going on than what you can see. And so, like I mentioned earlier, when Stephen saw Jesus, he saw him standing. And today, I want you to, I want you to see that Jesus is standing with you. So the power of forgiveness is at work when we speak in the Spirit, see in the Spirit, and when we walk in the Spirit. In his final moments, we see Stephen commit his spirit to God. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Does that sound familiar? Jesus in his dying hours said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This really baffled his accusers. Because with his last breath, he was calling out to Jesus like I mentioned before, committing his soul to Jesus. It frightened him so much because had he not been convinced, he would not have been able to do that. He was fully convinced not even trauma could shake him. But here's the thing about Stephen. He hadn't just committed his spirit in his last final moments to Jesus. He had been committing his spirit to the Lord daily. He was walking and used to walking in the spirit. You know, we can tell one way that we can tell if we're walking in the spirit is how well we love our neighbor. How well do you love your neighbor? And I'm not talking about the person that lives next door to you, which, you know, I'm talking about them too, but I'm talking about your spouse, your kids, the clerk at the store, the person this morning that flipped you off on the way to church the person that you cut off and got angry with you, like all of these people are a neighbor. How well do we love our neighbor? How you love your neighbor is a good indicator of what's going on inside. Galatians 5, 14 through 16 says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walking in the spirit helps us overcome the desires of our flesh. Because our flesh desires to be right. It desires to be vindicated. It desires to get even, to have justice, to hold grudges. Walking in the spirit 
leads us straight towards forgiveness. C.S. Lewis says, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. You know, while stones were being hurled at him, Stephen cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. And so this morning, you can hold forgiveness in your hand, or you can hold stones, but you can't hold both. Are you ready to forgive? Stephen prayed for those who wronged him. You know, one of the surefire ways to forgive and to heal quickly is to pray for those that hurt you. It's hard to pray for those that have mistreated you. It is hard. This is not an easy task. But I can tell you, your healing will come so much faster if you do. Will y'all please stand? I'm going to ask you again, are you ready to forgive? You know, the forgiveness that you extend will be a witness for Jesus. Your freedom testifies to the life that can be found in Christ. Do you remember Saul in the scripture, in the text that we were reading about? I mentioned Saul was guarding the coats. He was also very much supportive of what happened to Stephen. He was cheering them on. Saul is who we know to be Paul in the Bible, right? Saul um, gets transformed on the road to Damascus. Saul was one of the number one persecutors of Christians. Like he didn't just persecute them, he killed them, he imprisoned them. He, um, he wanted to eradicate them, completely wipe them out from the face of the earth. This is the Saul I'm talking about that was guarding the coats when Stephen was, was stoned. Saul gets transformed by God on the road to Damascus and eventually becomes Paul who is the apostle to the Gentiles and that has written two-thirds of the New Testament Bible. Stephen's choice to forgive in that moment was the catalyst of transformation for Paul. Can you imagine the seed that was planted in Saul while he watched Stephen forgive? Oh my God, that's so amazing, so amazing. What would, what would it look like without, without Paul? Forgiveness sets you free, but it also brings light to a very dark world. It's time to forgive. Are you ready? You can hold forgiveness or you can hold stones, but you can't hold both. As we sing this next song, I want to invite you to come up to the front. There's some rocks on both sides. And I want you to pick up the rock, pick up your offense. And I want you to choose to lay it here on the altar at Jesus' feet. Love invites forgiveness to the scene of the crime. There's a simple prayer on the handout that we gave you, a prayer of forgiveness that we've included. That you, It just says this, I choose to forgive, Trey, whoever. You fill in the blank. And I release them from all judgment in Jesus' name. It's such a powerful, simple prayer. But it's just the first step. Can I tell you it's just the first step in forgiveness? But it's a very important one. It's the first step. And then after you lay your offense here at the altar, and I'm, I'm going to be the first one to do that because can I tell you, today in this day and age, there's 
opportunity to forgive almost daily. I mean, really, there is. Not just within your own family, but just out in the world. And so I'll, I'll be the first one to put my rock, my offense here. And then I want to invite you. I want to invite you to spend time with Holy Spirit so it can heal your heart. He loves you so very much. Don't just choose to forgive, but allow the Holy Spirit to love you. Find a place here at the altar and just let him come and bring healing to your heart.